0: Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. This is Victory Over Sin, and my name is Mark Rennick. What we attempt to do with the first part of this show is to explain to you what we're attempting to do and actually who pays for it. Victory Over Sin is funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do in this half hour is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and return to community, and then survive and be successful. Certainly one of the ways we do that is to have this radio show. And this radio show has been going for six years now, believe it or not. If you go back to the archives of Victory Over Sin on KBXL uh, FM, you can look up the archives and look at past shows. Uh, you can find all sorts of people there. We've got every director of the Department of Corrections. We've got a few state senators. We've got people that are just gotten out of prison on their first day. I even have one person who's, on his way back into prison and he taped right before we went back into that show all kinds of people we're proud of that body of work if you will so if you want to learn about i don't department of corrections you can go back there and listen and find out all sorts of stuff about the department of corrections in addition to that we actually do a PowerPoint presentation that we'll be happy to bring out to your group, to your service group, to your church, to your neighborhood association. You tell us and we'll come present that for you. It's a 20-minute PowerPoint in which it's also led by a returning citizen themselves. So they present the information and then they'll stay around and answer questions about what it's like to live on parole in the state of Idaho. If you've been listening to me over the years, you know that we've grown in terms of stature. We've got some exciting stuff going on now, and they're getting better for the fall, summer and the fall of this year. But we have an office, the main office for people coming out of incarceration is at 3217 West Overland Road in Boise, in which we attempt to have everyone who leaves incarceration to come there first. In addition to that, if you need a ride from incarceration and you do not have a way to get around... Ask your case manager, we'll pick you up and take you everywhere you need to go. We also have an office inside the Offices of Probation and Parole in District 3 over in Caldwell. So if you're going in there to check with your parole officer, your probation officer, just say, I want to talk to somebody from St. Vincent de Paul Reentry, and they will direct you to our offices in there. It is easy to go to our website, which is www.svdpid.org, and click on Reentry. You'll find out all this information. Uh, later on in the show, I will let you know how to reach me and for any additional questions or information. And we've got an, I've got an exciting guest that I actually met last Sunday night and uh, was excited to hear what she had to say. And we're going to learn her story in just a second.
1: Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on Earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000. Canada's 104 people per 100,000. And Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the need to change reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL one, The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank.
0: Okay, this is kind of cool. I met uh, a lady on Sunday. Sunday last, uh, by the name of Erin Abood, and she is in studio with us today. We're going to call her a returning citizen. She's a Chrysalis alumni and advocate, and she's a woman in long-term recovery. Welcome, Erin. Thank you, Mark. Hey, thank you for doing this. It's very brave just to take thank my you. call and say, hey, come on, I'll do that. That's fun. Yeah. And we caught you right before you leaving town. I guess. That is correct, yeah. Yeah, so this is great. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and what, you, what brought you to Idaho.
2: Yeah, so my... My dad was in the military, so I was born in Germany, and we probably moved around, you know, over 20 times, depending on, you know, whether it was a military move or a crisis, all by the time I was 20 years old or 23 years old. And so just a little bit about my dad, he was an alcoholic, um, so with that comes like emotional absence and the traditional codependent mom, and um, so just a really chaotic upbringing. Um, so. Not really knowing how to handle my feelings, not really knowing what to do. I eventually turned to alcohol at the age of 11 and got in trouble for that. My parents tried redirecting that, but not really knowing how to do that. They just kind of up and moved us. Uh, my older brothers were getting into trouble. And so we came up to Idaho from California when I was 11. Yeah, and what
0: part of California? Um, Vista. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The San Diego area. And um, when we came up here, it was like a fresh start. So my dad was going to try something different. My brothers were going to try something different. And of course, I was going to try something different. And so we moved to Nampa. We're trying to do that and um, met some girlfriends that were our next-door neighbors and um, you know from that we created a friendship and we're enjoying the summer and we're doing all that and the one of the sisters was 15 years old and the other one was 13 I was 11 and one day we were out for a drive and I was enjoying summer and wanted to drive too so I asked the 15 year old if I could and begged her basically and she eventually said yes and so with that you know um we were in a tragic accident and Hmm. she actually passed away and it was while i was driving the tire had popped and um So that moment right there was a huge burden that I had no idea how to walk through. My parents didn't know how to walk me through it. And so what did I do? I turned to alcohol. I turned to drugs. And that was really the first big event that set me on the path of destruction. So from there, like shortly after, at 12 years old, I picked up my first felony. Mm -hmm. I actually had nine counts against me for burglary and drinking and smoking. And my dad was, you know, absent and my mother was working nights and I was just up to my own vices on how to get through that hurt and that pain. And I had no idea how to do it. So for the next 10 years, that's what I did. I did drugs and alcohol and tried finding men to Make it all better for me. Not knowing God. um, I grew up in religion, and so it was a very judging God. I didn't know how to get connected and really know um, my worth. I believed I... I was going to hell for that accident. I really did. Um, And that just kind of consumed me and in my path. That's what I was on. So eventually, I ended up getting a felony possession charge Mm -hmm. when I was 22 years old. And um, I got a delivery for methamphetamines too, shortly after I was indicted for that. Mm -hmm. And um, that is what really I probably been arrested over twenty times. I have twenty seven cases against me, all from the ages of twelve to twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. And like it, it has everything to do with the hurts that I never dealt That's with. That's
0: the one that got you in the system, quote unquote, for with the IDOC number and everything was
2: that last one? Yeah. Um no? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I have a criminal history though. So yeah. from the age of twelve all the way up to twenty three, but that those two felonies when I turned twenty two is how much what? actual time did you do in the state system? I did two months in canyon county and that's all that's it oh man that's amazing um i did 18 days in ada county and then i'd been arrested all those times for misdemeanors infractions driving without privileges not having insurance um so i ended up in canyon county while being at chrysalis for that indictment and it saved my life
0: that's cool well let me let's talk before we get to chrysalis let's talk about your testimony uh uh I, i saw Aaron, at uh, Chrysalis' annual graduation event that's kind of moved around over the years, but this year it was at Roaring Springs, and that was a real nice venue. And you you spoke as an alum Mm -hmm. emotionally about how you're changed. Tell us a little bit about Chrysalis from your perspective.
2: Oh my gosh. Chrysalis saved my life. They are so welcoming and loving and accepting and give you the tools and classes and women in your life to just really set you up for the foundation that you need to be successful. How'd you, know, you find out about him? Jail. jail is the most resourceful place you'll ever have in your life. And so I applied and they accepted me and um, I didn't get it right. The first time, the first 30 days I was relapsing and Mm -hmm. couldn't get rid of the people, places and things. So I eventually came clean because the spirit of God was there. And Mm -hmm. so the conscious, my conscious was eating me up. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell them the truth. I need help. And so I eventually came clean and um Did you talked to were you working with marcia or were you, you were working with the Gail. house gail's my coach oh, good for you. and um i went to the gail's house manager she's so good yeah. I, I don't i think marcia was my coach in the beginning so the first 30 days i just went to my house manager and i just confessed and that was really the the beginning of my transformation at chrysalis and then um Uh, two months later i was picked up for that indictment of delivery so while at chrysalis while clean and sober and then while i was picked up um went to canyon county for two months and that is where i had my god-saving moment in the canyon county shoe closet that's where god met me i i prayed to god to shine some light in my darkness i ended up in jail and i asked god um who he was and and that's all it took for me.
0: It seems like he did a good job of keeping so you away good. from a delivery charge. that should have been seven years. Oh, my yeah. gosh.
2: It was everything that I was doing up until that moment. If I wasn't in Chrysalis, I would have gone to prison. They mm-hmm. wanted to make an example out of me, and I begged them. I can change. I can change. Well, I think,
0: too, Canyon has a history of taking chances on mm-hmm. some people in that system. I know I've been in those courtrooms in Canyon where people because they were with the mission or mm. because they were with the New Life program at from City Lights. I yep. think at that point in time they were giving people all kinds of breaks when mm-hmm. I sat there. So the judges over there seemed to take more flyers, I guess you will, in terms of making a decision to help somebody as opposed yep. to just throwing them into the system. So
2: they um, made sure to put it in my sentencing to graduate Chrysalis. Mm. I had 400 hours of community service I also had to complete as well.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Well, as We were talking before we went on the air. I think you were at Chrysalis on State Street, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what year was that?
2: 2011.
0: Because that's the year I got out of incarceration, and I ran across a couple of people who were at Chrysalis, and we were all, well, we were all lost trying to find our way out of, out yeah. of incarceration. And we were going to a similar church, and I would always drive up to the back of the State Street store and, or the State Street location and pick up women and yep. take them to the church. And it was always, I can still... Picture Marsha looking like, you know, who's that guy? <laughs> you know? and An so, angel, I and promise. Not, no, no, it's not. You know, I'm not skeptical about this guy. Yeah. That goofy cat. She was you guys very protective. Have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A,
2: like a mama. Oh, we yeah. all need mamas. Yeah. I think
0: it took me uh, 10 years probably for uh, Marsha to think I'm a nice guy.
2: <laughs> that doesn't surprise but that me. <laughs> was, uh, but
0: that, that was a fun time. I, I enjoyed those years on the State Street store. Yeah. Okay. T- talk about the Chrysalis approach in terms of Uh, what they do, because they do something different. It's not like a typical if I would say Transitional Living Home it's different than others tell us a bit about the programming
2: yeah they don't um, you don't just live there and get drug tested you you live there and you make goals and you meet with a coach weekly and they have these requirements um, to be a part of their program and some of that is uh, daily devotionals where you're writing out what you're reading every day and then you're actually showing your coach what um, you're learning they have you read books and you write book reports they have we do Bible studies um, in different classes. And in the classes, they teach you about God. They teach you about boundaries. Like we don't know how to say no or have our yes be our yeses. We don't know how to steer away from bad men. We we, cannot, we come in not really knowing how to do that. And they teach us what safe people are. They teach us who God is. They teach us how to financially um, take care of ourselves. And that's all provided through the classes there. So um, you come home on time. You drug test if needed it's not you, they don't do sporadic and then um you got to go to church every sunday and yeah you're always at work those goal sheets that you meet with your coach weekly mm-hmm. the goals are financial relational educational and physical
0: i know every time i was there too. to stand up and say a verse
2: yeah yeah on sundays oh
0: yeah it was like somebody sent up and say their verse and i've been
2: thinking this would
0: be hard for me to it's so good though
2: it's where you build your foundation it sticks in your heart so deep that that's how you live your life and that's the goal of what chrysalis tries to do to help women leave chrysalis knowing that they have the foundation of god to have um the life that will glorify him in this hard world it's so hard out here so it's yeah, I loved it there.
0: How many houses were did they have when you were there?
2: They had, had three. They had State Street, Hayes, Mariposa, and then they had a five-mile one at the time. I don't yeah. know if you remember that yeah. one. So they had four. Well, that's,
0: that's the one that Jim and Belita owned for a while, or yep. they leased back to yep. you guys. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, talk about uh, the Sunday dinners, too, because that's the oh other thing gosh. I remember about Sunday dinners. Churches. You guys had, you guys had just... Buku stuff brought to you on every Sunday from all sorts of different people in the community.
2: Yeah, they would. And it starts there, right? Marsha's goal is to teach us how to have fun in our daily lives. So churches like um, Common Ground Biker Church would come in on Sundays with our group of people, serve us dinner, make us feel special. Sometimes they worship with us. Sometimes they teach with us. But Sundays were like family nights, actually. It was yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I always it was always kind of fun. I know we went once a year, right around Christmas, it seems like, because we would bring you um, some kind of Christmas bag. It was always yeah. like two weeks after Christmas, it seemed like. But, uh, yeah, that was always fun to sit there and you got to hear your guys' testimony and uh, go from there. So anything else, other stories? I know that we were talking a little bit before. There's a couple people that didn't hasn't didn't make it. And I think mm-hmm. that's always it weighs heavy on my heart this week because one of those people who was there we lost just real recently. And boy, you lose somebody like that that was a pillar. We were talking about Susie who was the house manager there who was, I think we both knew mm-hmm. pretty well. And that's just so hard. I, help me cope with that in terms of how do we do that as Christians and those people that you just don't reach? Because you and I both probably we talk stories we've tried to reach out to her and make things work. How do we do? How you do that? You're a Christian. How do we do that? Isn't that hard for you? It's so sad. Um. She's because you see somebody. We're, we're talking about that person in particular, but the spirit within this girl is so genuine. She was a graduate of uh, Boise Bible College. Yeah, you could just tell she has. She had. It's super hard, but just could not get away from drinking, and no matter what you did, I picked a couple flyers on a journey. to get her to work for me, and and I just like it. It never lasted, and every time she was in county jail, she called me, but um, it just it was so, it's so sad, and I think that's one of the challenges that we have.
2: Yeah,
0: is who we help and how we help and what do we do it.
2: I think Chrysalis or the different programs that are out there, even jail, is such a nice, safe place. It's that bubble, like that gal was saying on Sunday, Mm -hmm. to um, create recovery. But really, it's what you do after you leave Chrysalis, after you leave jail. How are you going to continue your recovery? So if you're not actively doing the next right thing, if you're not going to meetings, if you're not getting connected and fellowshipping with like-minded people who want to hear your stories, that want to help you process the hurts that are going on after your program, programming, I think you're going to have a hard time being successful because that's basically white knuckling it, right? Right. So I, like the gal we were talking about, like she isolated, you know, and then left to her own vices. She went back to all she knows and it's comforting knowing that if you drink, you're going to feel better, right? Staying Mm -hmm. in recovery and doing the work is hard. But when you do it alone, you forget what to do. And I think that's kind of what happened with her. And it happens with a lot of people is when you isolate, you just end up relapsing.
0: Right. And I think sometimes for me, it's I never understand the quality that if you are in that way of Christian, your heart's changed, you understand that, and why do you need to kind of go back there? And I've never quite understood that and had Mm -hmm. come to be able to make that work in my own heart. Because you'll say... I'll talk to people and say, "Yes, I'm a Christian. I do this. I do this," and you can see some aspects of it in their life, but it's not all there. And so, if it's Luke not all there, yeah, and if it's not all there, then it's you're going to run across some problems, and you're going to trip, get tripped up, and you're going to be in trouble. Is that what you find? Or makes sense? Or anything?
2: It makes perfect sense because that's what happened, you know, in Canyon yeah. County Jail. Like you give your life to Christ, and the transformation begins, but it doesn't end there. Like right. you keep <clears throat> on. Finding the transformation and all that you do, and I think that's just where it gets a little blindsided for people as they stop putting in the work, they stop trying.
0: And I, also, too, would you maybe? I always say too, it's a, you need to hang around better people than you all the time. Oh yeah, people, people that can teach you something, people that can also uh, challenge you to be better than you already are. I think that's part of the aspect where we get we can get complacent. And I think that's one of the reasons I think I go to the one of the reasons I go to the Chrysalis event because you see new faces and you see new stories that kind of motivate you to go forward and understand that this is really a work in progress that I have to keep working on.
2: And there's a balance because like, as a woman in recovery, I sponsor women, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to be sponsoring women that are going to be a little bit further behind than me. So they might be more likely to relapse. They might be more likely to gossip. They might be more likely to still chase men and have these bad habits. So I have to have the balance of having a sponsor and talking to people who um, have what I want, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, spiritually or educationally, like I have to um, look to them for the guidance to guide the women behind me in right. order to lead them through it because I can't only give my energy to the women that are that I'm sponsoring. I have to get energy filled back in by my sponsors or by my coaches. Like I still talk to Gail regularly. Um, she's definitely been a mother figure in my life. And and I really look up to people like that in my world today. I still talk to them. I'm still being mentored. I'm still finding that to work for that balance between sponsoring and being sponsored, I guess. Yeah.
0: You also touched on something, too, if you don't mind us kind of walking towards if you're comfortable with. You talk about women and the men, choices they make in men. Mm. And that was always, it seemed like at Chrysalis was, you'd lose people because they would think that somebody's going to come in and make mm-hmm. this all better for them. How do you address that? Because I'm thinking in particular of a lady who worked for me who was doing great and just suddenly takes this wrong turn and then she's on probation and now she's back at the county jail. Now she's going back in and having her sentence. Was there the a policy. man involved? Of course there was a man involved. And so it's like, and she worked with me and she's inside and I keep saying, who are you hanging around with? And why aren't you in church anymore? And how do you do those types of things with people? or do you suggest that? Is that...
2: You know, honestly, um, we just want to be loved. That is the ultimate goal. That is why we accept any man that seems loving towards us. And what Chrysalis taught me is it was my worth. Like, no, you don't have to have sex with men to feel loved. No, you can wait. You should wait. Know your worth. And what I learned over the years that I teach women today is because some of the women don't know God and mm-hmm. so I'm just trying to be the light of God for them and so I'll bring in examples of like scientifically when you don't have um, intimate relations with somebody you're able to recognize red flags you're able to notice when they're acting in a way that doesn't feel safe and then you can say oh sorry this isn't working for me i'm i'm going to end this relationship now versus when you give yourself away like that you are connected yeah. and so that's kind of how i try to teach women is and that's what i did You know, I I did not, I waited two years. I was told that's what I should do. I wanted, I was fully transformed. And so I waited for my husband and it was, it wasn't easy, but I dated probably 20 men, maybe 30. Like I always said yes to dates because I was like, okay, God, who do you have for me? Because what do we want? We want to be loved. We want to be desired. We want to be pursued. And so I was being pursued, but I wasn't being loved and I wasn't being desired. And I was able to identify that because I wasn't giving myself away in in that intimate way. So um, I eventually met my husband, and um, God has been so good to us and has really honored what we try to do in our world, including a 10-year long-distance relationship that we have unbelievably done well at because of God. Yeah, congratulations.
0: I did the same thing, too. It's like I was... Uh, When I got out of prison, I had children and my wife had divorced me. And I remember saying to my kids when I got out, it's like, hey, I know you're not going to believe this, but something changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to date or be involved with anybody until, you know, my son was turned 18 or or at least Mm -hmm. until that time. And my kids looking at me like, hey, that's that's crazy, Dad, you'll never do that. And then my daughter said, what about Mom? I said, well, your mom divorced me, so that's kind of off the table. And I actually waited probably four more years after mm. he turned 18 to actually get involved with it. And so I kept that so promise good. to them. Certainly it wasn't my design, but it worked out real well, too, and found somebody in church and connected with them, and uh, it's been really nice since then. But that's very difficult for people to do and sit out it's and so talk hard. about anymore.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay, we're going to run out of time, but I want to talk about stories. The stories you tell are powerful and change people's lives in terms of not only the relationship with Jesus Christ, but attempting to help the system change. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Is that, tell me about the power of stories, if you can.
2: Um, the power of stories. Because
0: um, you've got, we've already talked about some of them. Right. Is that Just a little bit hear?
2: that I shared at the Chrysalis graduation is something that I got to share my story at the Capitol. I got to right. go in front of the Senate, share my story, and help get a uh, law passed, which was the Clean Slate Bill. And. Did um,
0: you meet Erica Marshall? And, huh? You met Erica Marshall and uh, all those guys? Um, Justice Project? No. Who did not?
2: No, it was. Um, No, it was Senator Lent and Senator um, Rubio, I believe, that pushed it through. Mm -hmm. Erica wasn't there when I did my um, testimony that day. But sharing our stories at that capacity gives them the eyes to see what God can do versus what's on that piece of paper because the clean slate bill started back in nineteen or twenty and they would not pass it. They right. would not pass it. They would not pass it. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to the senator and I shared my story with him and I said, I want to be a part of this. I I think it's gonna change lives. I think it's gonna change my life. I, I wanna get my background away from me. And so I teamed up with him and he eventually asked me to share my story in person to the chairman. Mm-hmm. And when I did that he put a human side to this law that they're trying to pass like oh there is hope change can happen and so that kind of started the the process of actually getting it passed through so being able to do that to share my story at that capacity showing the goodness of god and to be able to glorify him and get that bill finally passed like
0: that's what it's all about congratulations on that too because i've been working in that arena for about three or four years erica's I'm on her board, and uh, I love what she's doing. So some of this is actually gaining momentum. I asked she you She did ask me that, if I... Asked I asked you that w- question because I read your testimony. Mm. Yeah.
2: Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So next up, hopefully, it might be an expungement law. And yeah, it's... My expungement is the next round because when I volunteer at my children's schools, I have to shake the yeah. hand of the principal and say, I am not as bad as what it seems on piece of paper because yeah. have you ever, I have to admit that I'm a felon yeah. and I'm not that person today. Like Jesus died on the cross for me yeah. and washed away all my sins and I'm white as snow. I shouldn't have to. It's been 12 yeah. years. I'm free. I shouldn't have to keep walking down that path, but for whatever reason, God's going to use me. He's oh, got I, bigger I, I, plans.
0: I totally agree with that. I think I share with everyone who I can is that the fact that um, you know the, the lady who pours barista who pours my coffee in the morning knows I'm a Christian knows I'm mm-hmm. in prison knows I work with I people that. getting out of prison and the more you just talk about it it, it just makes it all easier for the rest of us so it is yes we're going to run out of time but thank you so much for coming it's a pleasure good luck in Nevada are you going to come back or
2: I'm going to come a, back for my next step is my pardon hearing hopefully sometime in July let me know if I can help I'll write a letter I'll be happy to do thank that you. Okay, okay. thank you thank you
3: There's victory All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome i got victory
0: over sin. peace. Okay, I love stories like that. Thank for coming in today, Aaron, and sharing that and uh, letting us know what's going on. You too can get involved. Uh, you need to get in touch with me or you have questions. www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can write me an email. It's systemicchangeofidaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. And you can even call me on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Overson.